Hello, everyone. My name is Ryan Stacy, and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is presented by Stats Coach. Stats Coach is a hockey analytics company which works with the minor and junior hockey community. For more information, visit www.statscoach.ca or contact statscoach at outlook.com. Today, we're joined by Jordan Hunter, video and assistant coach for the Fredericton Red Wings and video coach for the Canadian National Women's Development Team. I came across Jordan as a potential guest for the podcast early in the guest recruitment process. While still young, Jordan presents a wealth of experience which ranges from its current positions in Junior and with Hockey Canada to other positions in Junior A and U Sports where he won three national titles with UMB. From my conversations with Jordan, I was impressed with his ability to speak on his experiences and deliver the finer details of what he learned. For those looking for inspiration in the field of video coaching, there are a few that present such a unique blueprint to learn from as Jordan, thus accelerating my interest in having him join me on the podcast. Without further ado, here's Jordan Hunter, video and assistant coach with the Fredericton Red Wings and video coach with the Canadian National Women's Development Team. Today we're joined by Jordan Hunter, the video and assistant coach with Fredericton Junior A Red Wings and video coach with the National Women's Development Team. Jordan, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Ryan, for having me. Really appreciate it. It's great to have you on, and I think people are really excited to hear about your uh, your experience and roles at different levels. So let's get right into it. Uh, tell me about where you're from and speak to your involvement in sports growing up. You know, I'm really excited to share this story. It's uh, It all started back home in a little town called Amherst, Nova Scotia. It's a border town when you hit Nova Scotia. It's uh, about 10,000 people. And I started up rising into the Timbit hockey program. And uh, as I went through there into the system, uh, being involved and exposed with the coaches and players, uh, grew great friendships. Uh, Went my way up the system, up to Bantam. And then uh, I ended up getting halted uh, by a, a fractured growth plate when I was playing hockey outside next door neighbor. Uh, they had an out, uh, a homemade ice rink and I ended up doing somewhat of a cartwheel when I was out there by myself midday working on my shot or whatever have you and I ended up uh, really injuring my ankle I ended up crawling back to my apartment and ironically enough we had uh, two of the exact number 28 stairs to get to my 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 unit to get to my mother when I get to the top she uh, she sees me and she's honestly laughing at me she couldn't believe what was going on she thought I was joking about the situation and and so that was it for me for, for hockey for a couple of years. And so what, what the doctor told me is that I still had to stay active. So what I did is I got involved in the badminton program uh, and going to uh, regional provincials, uh, going through junior and high school. And then I end up uh, twisting up the other ankle uh, playing badminton. And then I ended up finishing off playing uh, uh, running track and field in high school. Uh, so that's kind of been my story. Uh, upbringing through my my uh, community involvement and uh, as well as sports um, I couldn't appreciate more everything that uh, has impacted me along the way back home that's that's great and uh, I'm sorry to hear about the injury and I'm sure that's going to be a story that people are going to think about now when they're they're thinking about uh, you know kids trying to uh, go out to the sports world and you know it's not always easy Um, after high school you went on to attend the University of New Brunswick, taking kinesiology and rec and sports studies. Uh, talk about your experience in those programs and how it helped you learn about the sports industry in preparation for your future positions. That experience was probably the best decision that I made in my life. 
And it all started in the first impression when I went there in summer 15. Uh, I was recommended by, uh, I'll talk to him a little, little bit later, but he was a former coach of the Amherst Ramblers, Josh Hepich. And uh, he ended up uh, taking a sport management program at UMB. And uh, so I went there and then after the tour and I went to the student, student orientation event, uh, it had me lost the words. And I went into the Aiken University Center where the UMB Reds play. And again, I just was speechless. You could just breathe the championship fever and they, uh, they really showed it. And it showed academically too. And uh, the competition between the students, what I really want to note too was actually really high. Um, Things I'll get into later that uh, student initiatives were made uh, throughout our uh, just kinesiology department themselves. Uh, initiatives to grow sport in maritime area and abroad. It's, uh, it's a really proven program that is more, probably one of the most undervalued programs in Canada for sport management, in my opinion. And uh, I just want to note a couple of profs that really that stick the, the nail on the head on why and that starts with Brian Hamilton he's a sports psychologist actually with Hockey Canada he's won multiple world championships with them uh, he's also a consultant with an NHL team uh, he really shares a lot of psychological concepts uh, with us that we really soak in another guy is uh, Dr. David Scott uh, he's another uh, NHL sports consultant and he really brushes heavily on uh, the positive uh, impacts of cognitive behavioral psychology and coaching. And another fellow is Ross Leadbetter. He taught uh, a lot of us value of leadership. And uh, for me, the most important one has been uh, Dr. John Edwards. Uh, and he really interprets today's practices of uh, sport management in real life. It's uh, a truly astonishing program, and I couldn't say anything more about it. And uh, people have heard about the program for, for a while now. And and, you know, I always talk about my time at Brock, but UMB is definitely another great outlet to learn about sports, uh, in addition to a number of programs throughout the country. And it's, it's great that, to hear that you had a good experience and, and to bring up those profs who, uh, you know, had brushes of uh, experience in the industry, but are also willing to give back. So that's great. Uh, backtracking a little bit, your initial hockey experience was working in marketing and game day operations with the Amherst Ramblers. Uh, talk about how you started in that position and touch on the overall experience, maybe also including the Craft Hockeyville bid and your involvement on the board of directors. Absolutely. So it all started right there, what you said then there, but Craft Hockeyville, that is sort of what kind of got me into the game and what made me realize this is what I wanted to do. Uh, kind of, uh, it all started back, I seen a commercial online, Hockeyville, and then I put a bid in for our town. We ended up uh, having an announcement party after an Amherst Junior A Rambler game. Uh, it was announced that our community was one of the top 16. And then after uh, a little bit of community trust support, we had sponsors come on, uh, help make flyers, uh, have uh, voting stations all around town. We had six or seven uh, voting destinations in our community alone. And then in our county, we had over a dozen uh, just to get the word out there. And we also hosted events uh, such as the uh, made an event called the Donate to Skate. It was after another junior A game, just to get the exposure out there, what we were doing and the word we're trying to spread. And all people had to do was donate a box of craft dinner and they got to skate with the team. We ended up donating 1500 boxes that night. Wow. And not only did it expose, uh, you know, what our initiative was in getting votes for that next week, 
it was it also ended up in turn supporting the community and bringing back to the community before even getting anything from craft hockeyville we kind of we we used the event and then before we even got anything out of it we seen okay we, we're already top 16 we don't know how far we're going to go but let's try and use this to the best of our abilities right now and do some good with our community and good good news came through we ended up getting 25k uh the town matched we ended up getting a 54 i believe it was a fifty four thousand dollar uh score clock hanging on center ice so our town could be li uh eligible uh, to host major sporting events we couldn't uh, be nearly um, able to in the past. It gave us a little bit of an edge. Uh, and for things like the Fred Page Cup that the Amherst Ramblers was proud to host last year in 2019. Uh, and then the, the town of Amherst hosted the, an exhibition game of the World Junior A uh, Challenge. I think it was Team Canada versus uh, Russia. And I was there with my little brother and it was honestly, aside from the Fred Page Cup, it was one of the best experiences uh, as well as the home open, I'll speak about it in a second. Um, so that's kind of what uh, got me into the game. And now the Ramblers annual general meeting was three months later after all this happened. And uh, two, two uh, really close folks that I got to know uh, just through being with Hockeyville and being at the Ramblers game since I was six years old, five years old with my, uh, my friends and family was that uh, was Beth Dobson and Pat Flynn and uh, Pat Flynn was one of the Ramblers' top scorers, and they won their only championship in 89-90. Uh, and they gave me a, a lot of inspiration and, uh, and a lot of kind words leading up to the AGM, and they told me to show up. And I didn't know why, and when it came time for the, the board and executive to elect a new one for the, the next season, the 2014-15 season, uh, there was a motion passed, uh, two passed by them, uh, that I would be brought upon to be the next director one of the next 12 and it was passed and with that i uh, became one of the youngest uh, board directors in maritime hockey league history i think the second youngest there was another fellow in in summerside i think in 2012 from what i understand um so i won't take the credit for being the first <laughs> but <laughs> um but and then leading into amherst we uh I, I tried my best to bring innovation to a veteran board uh you know i think Nine out of 12 uh, of, our, of our board members were about 55 years old. Um, so while that brings lots of veteran experience, lots of great hockey knowledge, uh, the diversity in, in what today's game is in comparison and contrast to what it was before, uh, is very different. And especially in terms of marketing, uh, game day preparation, uh, how to get people in the rink and all that, uh, it wasn't negative in any form. It was just trying to uh, adapt. Um, and try and get the team to adapt, and it worked very well. Uh, we end up, or uh, end up having the board uh, agree to organizing a home opener, uh, where we invited. It was actually a Big Brother Canada winner. Uh, I believe it was in 2014, and his name was John Party, and he was actually a former Amherst Rambler. Wow. Uh, yeah, back in the day, and uh, he was one of the the fans' favorites actually back in the day. He was just one of the funnest to watch. He he could really hit. But uh, we brought him aboard and we, I said to them, you know, this Toonie draw, because they have a Toonie draw going on to help uh, with their, their funds and help, and help uh, keep the team afloat every year. We need to market it more. So what I said is, this kind of sounds crazy, but why don't we market this home opener and make everything around the number two? So that starts at the admission. And you should have seen it. All the arms went in the air. 
it's two dollars for mission that's like unheard of not a chance um you know we'll still have one i'll quote one board member it is as they said we'll still have the same amount of people as if this is if we charged eight dollars and and i kind of you know being my age of 16 i said okay maybe you may be right but let's try it let's try it and and we did and i was kind of put in the task and as well as a lot of other board members and we went around town and we ended up selling uh 1800 tickets before uh game day at two dollars and after after uh, we had the doors open we ended up selling at capacity and slightly past and we ended up actually making uh, three times the amount of revenue that night and then though our attendance did go slightly down um back to a normal amount of about about 750 or however whatever have you it took time to get back down because what we did is we made the experience worth more than result like we had people going to the rink a full rink that the town has not experienced unless it's playoff hockey and we brought someone in and we made it special and we lost the home opener 7-3 and but that that usually stings Amherst fans but that was the one game that they left and said that they remembered the experience more than the result. So that right there was showed that that, you know, that 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 type of change was a type of change that is necessary and also can work in small communities. Exactly. And and having that experience, you know, excuse me, a number of people talk about uh, building that culture and the experience for the fans and a lot of times that's what brings people back and so even though, you know, you said the the result of the game wasn't the way you wanted uh, you know, they were still going away with a positive attitude. And I'm sure to this day, people still look back on that game and especially younger people may, may be saying, you know, that was my first game. That's where it really took, you know, where I really connected with the team and, and now they're full-time fans or lifelong fans. Exactly. Uh, so after a season or so, you transitioned into more of a hockey operations role as the director of player recruitment and analytics uh, with the team. How was it jumping in to hockey operations and what was that experience like? It was a really interesting experience. Uh, you know, I, I spoke about Josh before. He, uh, he, he, he was in Amherst for one year and then upon transition, uh, we, we had a new head coach come in who's there currently, Jeff LeBlanc. And when he came in, there's total transition in the organization um, except for the board of directors. And so he kind of used me as a, a shoulder to lean on and uh, give advice. And luckily, because I, I was doing stats for uh, the Ramblers start, starting after our 0-3-1 start uh, that previous season, uh, I had a whole bunch of data. I had uh, information on how players play, uh, their attitude, style, their character, um, their face-offs, uh, I'll get into a little bit later, but uh, like shot differentials and Corsi and things like that. And we took that information when he was brought on a month before the draft and we figured out how to assemble a team for the next year. Uh, this, this organization was in the midst of a rebuild in Josh's year. So it was really exciting to be part of that next step of the rebuild and see how, how it was being, being uh, processed at the junior A level and also being at the draft table, uh, calling players, free agents, uh, whether they're 20 year olds, uh, all across Canada, the, the, the list was endless. It was, it was a really, it was a really humbling experience. I think the, the best part was, was calling the players and honestly 
given them the rundown of questions that I had provided for me and a couple that I added and tweaked and whatnot. Uh, just talking about what it was like to play for, you know, my hometown and my team because I was growing up there and it was it it it, uh, it brought a lot of pride uh, to me and my work and and that's when I understood uh, to me for me personally that that's the that's the type of the game that I want to be involved in. It was like the recruitment. It was the it was the coaching and the video and the interactions with the players and staff and volunteers and it's uh, it's all a big family. And that's really what I learned after, especially this experience here. And it all adds on when I go on to UMB with the Reds. Yeah, and and I I kind of uh, you know I can understand what you're saying in that you have that aha moment, like this is what I want to do. Uh, you know, in my own experience, whether it be, uh, you know, even just working with senior hockey team when I started off or or whether it was when I was, uh, you know, working in junior a little bit more, you know, you have that moment when you're, you're, you know, just watching a game or you're on a phone call or you're just having a conversation by the dressing room and it really clicks that, you know, this is where I'm supposed to be right now and this is where I want to continue to be moving forward. So uh, it's all about that it, feeling. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting to hear exactly when you had that. And I'm sure our people listening will, you know, think back to their own moment, or if they haven't had that moment, uh, soon enough they will. Uh, so you touched on uh, the video aspect a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2015, while with the team, you added the title of video coach. Um, talk about the task of learning to be a video coach, maybe also touching on analytics, and uh, maybe provide details on the transition during the initial season in that position. It all started actually, it was after that 3 and one start I mentioned. Uh, so we were, it was my first road trip. I was invited to go down to South Shore to play the Lumberjacks. And I, uh, he's, the coach said after the game, you know, we're going we're gonna to download it and uh, we're going to go through it when we go back. So I was like, okay. And then just kind of see how it looks and, and all that. And he brought up Steve and he pulled me up to the front of the, the bus and uh, we went through the game. And the bus drive from South Shore to Amherst, if many people know, it's, uh, it's, uh, there's lots of twisted turns and it's, uh, it's, an, it's an old highway up until you get about Halifax and then it's a straight way about until there. Uh, so it's really, a, it was an excellent opportunity to understand, you know, the concepts of Steva, what, what purposes it brings to a team. Uh, he provided all that to me in just that one road trip. And he showed me uh, just the basics of, of everything it does from, you know, the breakout shots, uh, showing me how, you know, how you create clips, how you review clips, how you can um, do player shifts, uh, things like that. And then how you create into a video. He showed me how he, he, he showed me how he did his video for uh, that, the review of that game. And, and that, and that game was kind of really special for me because when I got off that bus, I, I didn't, I, I really wanted to go in the next one. I told him, I said, after that, I said, I not only do I want to go and just do some stats on the paper, like on the side and help do load and unload equipment when we get there and back. I said, I want to do a little more video. And so I was able to, to clip games coming back, uh, put together some presentations going there. And he was, uh, he was very, um, he's very free about it. And, and, and that's what I really liked about Josh and especially every other coach that I've worked with, I've had a very, very um, huge honor and amount of luck to have coaches that are very trustworthy and open to just let me be free to learn and, and give me the resources to do it. Yeah. And in, and in those situations, you know, it, it, it often comes down to having someone that is willing to give you a little bit 
more responsibility or take a chance on you, even if you know, like in that situation, you maybe never had the video work experience, but in that moment, he was willing to teach you and, and, you know, really you were able to gravitate towards it. And, and obviously today you're, you're still reaping the rewards of that conversation on that bus. Um, so at the same time in that role, you also became the video coach with UMB. Uh, talk about your time in that position and entering the world of university sports and also touch on the experience of obviously winning three national titles. Yeah, UMB was, it was certainly a jump. I'll tell you that it was, it was a jump that I didn't know where I was going to land. It was because when you got there, the, the expectation, it's when you think you've seen the highest level of expectation, it, it, it comes at you and hits you in the face with a new one. It's UMB has a standard that excellence is the standard and everything that you do has to have a very significant purpose and it has to have a direction that goes for the betterment of the team. And so when I, I learned that very quick, I learned that first day of practice and you could see it just how the guys skated. They played for each other, uh, how coach coached, they played for him and everything had a purpose. There was a process to everything. And it was a really, it was a really, really, really special four years. And I probably wouldn't have the same level of maybe say, I would like, I'd say maybe motivation uh, to succeed in the in the terms of winning and developing uh if i would it wasn't at umb um the the expectation to win it's it was kind of um bled through me as as i progressed through there um after one season you 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 have to after my first season in 2016 um it wasn't until maybe a month into, into the season that i was the video coach it was I'd say it was, it was November 7th, 2015. We won 4-2 against PEI. I, it was after that game, I was told that I was going to be transitioned from assistant to a video coach because our video guy ended up getting a, a job with the National Canadian Sledge Team. So that was sort of a, an opportunity that I wasn't expecting. I was expecting at some point, in a couple of years down the road, because I was in university four years, I was expecting that jump at some point, but I wasn't expecting that jump after, you know, two months into the season. And so I had to use a lot of the experience that I had from Amherst in terms of uh, video for game preparation uh, and things like that. But I found a quick divide that me being a full-time student and even still being at the rink every day, uh, I stayed there uh, three to four nights a week, mind you, actually sleeping in the, in the UMB equipment, uh, in the UMB dressing room with wow. our equipment guy, uh, Justin Guthrow. He, he, uh, it was his idea off the start. He, uh, he just would stay late, do his laundry, be up early. And uh, I had a roommate that, you know, he'd be up till four or five in the morning playing video games and had his headset on yelling and that. So I, <laughs> I, uh, I honestly took that opportunity to stay there too. And I was up in the morning. I did my pre-scouts in the office. Uh, I looked over games and uh, did, got, got the team prepared for uh, those games, which I'll brush on the details of that uh, later on. Um, but our first season, uh, we ended up having uh, an, a an AUS loss in the, in the playoffs. But that really carried us over to a championship uh, at the national level. We won our, I won my first gold medal 
uh, with UMB Reds. And that, that really taught me that year, my first year. And I can't be more appreciative of that and that I got it my first year. And that was how I learned how hard it was to get it. And but what, by what I mean is get it, I mean the best. And that is finding not, not just being the best to yourself, the best version of, you know, what your team can be. It's being the absolute best in the whole pool. It's being the best out of everybody. Um, that is what I learned the first year. And a lot of that, I'd say 80% of it comes from hard work. It's just a constant grind. And you definitely know yourself, Ryan, working in this industry. It's, it's a hard work and grind industry. Yeah. And you need to give double that when you're preparing for games, when you're, you know, everything you have to, you have to prepare double for what your opponent is doing so that you can already beat them before they get on the ice. Like that's the key here. And so I learned that my first year and I had really good uh, support and, you know, guys like Adam Cuccinelli, he helped out with uh, time on ice and we brought time on ice on board in my first month. Uh, and then Tyler Orr, he came on as an intern. Uh, he helped out with game ops uh, and, and uh, other duties as that. He, he helped even with the camera. He was just that, that multi-tool that everybody loved and he was great with everybody in the dressing room. And you need those people. When I, when I joined the team, I was there for a month and a half. And you see a lot of people would take that job and you know, they try and do it themselves. I immediately said, no, I'm, like, I'm gonna be there every day and I'm still managing school, but I still want help. And it wasn't because I was being overflowed, it's because I knew we could do a lot more with hands. Yeah. And I brought four hands on board. And uh, what we ended up doing is having that same thing. And then going into 2017, not only did we learn how to get it, we learned how to keep it. We hosted the national championships in 2017. Uh, we did lose again. Back-to-back uh, -back years, actually, in the playoffs, the same effects. And uh, I'll tell you what, I, uh, I, I've been stung in many places by uh, bees and hornets, but nothing stings more than uh, being a UMB uh, player or coach or fan and losing the St. effects and vice versa. Uh, it's, it's a big rivalry and it's, I'd say it's, uh, it's certainly the biggest rivalry in Atlantic university sport. Any team could tell you that any team. Um, and we had the honor, like I said, the year, year prior when we won our, my, my first championship, we ended up beating X three, one, the championships. It was a really special moment. Uh, but going ahead there to 17, we did lose there in the AUS, like I said, the X, but, we win the back-to-back -back against Saskatchewan 5-3, five, uh, five, and it was, a, it was a really, really special moment. And then 2018, going into the next year, my third year, uh, Cuccinelli and Orzi, they left. Uh, Cooch went to – he went to uh, University of Ottawa, and Tyler Orr went up going to the Edmonton Oilers. He's working uh, in, in their business offices there now. Um, so I ended up having a, a buddy of mine from Tatamagush, Nova Scotia, Matthew Smith, come on board, take over the time on ice. And then uh, Tyler Murphy, this, this, this kid is an absolute hustler. He's, uh, he came on to do an internship with us. Uh, I got to meet him just through him peeping up through the door and he, he wanted to help. And he, he went up to Coach Mack and he just wanted to help. He's just a big hockey guy and he's humble. And what makes him really special about him being a hockey ops uh, guy is that he asks really hard questions. He plays humble, but he plays devil's advocate with everything. 
and everything you ask, everything you bring up and every decision strategy, it, anything to do with hockey, especially it's devil's advocate. And he makes you think. And I think Tyler Murphy, he's 25 years old. He's right now. He's, I think he's looking for a job and he's uh, he left UMB last year, like me. And I think he is one of the most underrated uh, director of ops people in Canada that are unemployed right now. Like just the, the the caliber that this kid works is, is unbelievable. And again, that brushes on me not being able to do what I did unless I had those people and you had to let those people use their abilities, which was that, and that allowed me to get better and him doing tasks, but you know, ordering meals, uh, the busing and all that and hotels, uh, that helped me when I was doing my internship in 2019 uh, a lot easier. Uh, I am going on as helping him as a co for director of ops. And we end up doing great things by doing, uh, becoming the first team to in new sport men hockey to put bench video uh, on the bench. And it was extensively used for our penalty kill, especially at the championship level. Uh, it was really crucial for us and our, our penalty kill coach loved it. It was a really important tool because uh, intermissions, which I'll go through later, we're going through really specific things that uh, the coaching staff want to see on the fly. But the thing is teams like UMB, we have six or seven coaches and they all want to see the same thing. So that just gives them the ability, you know, on another screen to show more. So it was, Really, really exceptional year in 2019. We won the AUS and we also won the national championship as well, back to back. Well, yeah, that, that whole experience at UMB that you spoke about, uh, you know, the people you met, the, the different uh, situations, you know, winning your first year and then maybe not getting the results you want only to come back again and win two more times, you know, uh, it just shows how much of a learning experience that was and, and you, you named a couple of people there, uh, listeners, if you're interested in people in this line of work, you know, I highly recommend you, you reach out to Jordan or myself and get in contact with these people because, uh, not everybody gets the limelight, you know, that maybe they deserve or, and it's a lot of times because they don't want it, but some of these people really do deserve the recognition for the work they're doing, especially at the university level or, or maybe, uh, another level that's not as highly covered. Um, so no, that's, that's great. And, and I'm glad that you had a, a very positive experience and, and had a lot of success at that level um, in, in both a video coach role and then obviously taking over uh, and helping out with director of operations in that intern role. Um, so while your involvement as a video coach with UMB and Amherst were your prominent positions during those years, you're also involved in a few other roles during that period. Uh, let's talk about those and maybe you can provide some insight on uh, on those tasks associated with those positions. So uh, first, talk about the uh, Canadian International Ice Hockey Development Agency. That was a very, very good experience. That, that aside from UMB, would be one of my best. It, it started out in, uh, with a, a call from a buddy of mine, Justin Harrison. He's from back home. Uh, he's a scout with I, I always joke around with him. Maybe I'd say he's a scout for every, almost every team in Canada. He's a scout for the GGs. He's a scout with the Summerside Western Capitals, and he runs his agency. Uh, he's got a couple. He's scouts for a couple other teams down south. And anyways, I got to meet. I got to meet him. Got to know him just through uh, community roots. 
and he was starting his camp in Halifax. And he told me that if I jumped on board, he's got an interesting, an interesting piece to attach that he's going to build on for the next year. So I was kind of intrigued. And we ran this camp in Halifax. I, uh, I, was, I was on the ice actually as an ice instructor. And I also did a little bit of video shooting in that. Uh, and I had the honor of working with uh, people the likes of Andrew Brewer. He was, uh, he's, he's an assistant coach right now at the Toronto Maple Leafs. And ironically, he was actually uh, the, the guy sitting in the chair before me at UMB as the video coach. That was his, uh, his job before he jumped on with Hockey Canada over to Detroit and then in Toronto with Babcock. And so I had the honor of working with him. And then uh, as well as Bobby Corkum, he was uh, assistant coach in New York Islanders. Draft pick in 1986, third rounder, uh, I think with the Buffalo Sabres. And this guy played a lot of games. He's a pro. He knew the game. So he had two very different personalities uh, that came together. And, and that experience alone on the ice with those two was something that I'll really cherish. And uh, that came on uh, to, the goal, to the call of going to uh, Latvia. Uh, a couple months later, wow. uh, yeah, it was very, very – very honorable offer that came up. It was, I've seen advertisements out. They, they just started being pumped out on his social media page. And it was about uh, six weeks out. And I was like, ah, oh, gee, I didn't get the call. And then all of a sudden he, uh, he called me up. It wasn't half an hour after he posted that he was expanding his uh, agency to a, a camp in Latvia that he'd like me to come on board. Uh, I was really excited, you know, and it's like, gee, I've never been across, you know, across the water, never been to Europe, to even think about that. And he said, well, you got to look at a map, buddy, to know where Latvia is. Nowhere's near Europe. And it's, uh, so to give people an idea, it's a little bit below Russia and it's kind of circling the Baltic nations. If anybody knows um, that area at all. But um, see, the, the key, the key challenge of going there, though, was that um, because of the budgeting and the timing and all that, I uh, had to raise the trip and everything on my own. And it was six wow. weeks out of camp. I uh, looked in the flights and everything. And uh, they, they covered the hotel. They were very nice to cover the hotel and uh, all the accommodations when I got there and everything like that. And so appreciative for it, and especially the experience. Um, but then I had to raise the money for the flights. And I, at first, I didn't know how it was going to go. Um, because, you know, you're putting out a post saying, you know, you want to fly to Lafayette to do a coaching experience at, at 18 years old and don't know what the perception is right away and right away I in three weeks I had just about four thousand uh, dollars put together from it was, it was people from the community it was family friends and there's people I had no clue who they were and they were donating on the GoFundMe so I had I was able to go there I had the, the enough enough money about a week and a half out booked the flights, uh, went across the, took, took some Latvia, and it's, uh, it's about a half an hour out of uh, Latvia's main city, uh, Riga, Latvia, which has about 700,000 people. This one's about 50,000 people, so it's a little bit smaller. Yeah. But uh, the real interesting part about this camp was that the kids that came in to participate in it, like they, they, they weren't just from Latvia. Um, they weren't just from the Baltic nations, so the encompassing five nations around Latvia. They weren't just from Russia. They were from Sweden. They were from all over uh, Europe, uh, Germany, everywhere. 
uh, there is, we had, I believe 42 kids uh, enrolled into that program. And I think there might've been maybe three at the most from one country, maybe four at the most. Like it was a very diverse um, program, which made it a, a really rewarding experience. And that's what I'll brush on now about, which uh, when I went there, I, I actually forgot my skates going onto the plane. I, uh, I wasn't, it wasn't until going onto the plane, I realized my luggage was a little light and I didn't bring my skates. So uh, unfortunately, I didn't hit uh, Latvian ice uh, with a blade, but I did with a shoe when it came time for photo shooting <laughs> that. But uh, I ended up going on, hopping on, uh, doing video, and then we had inter-squad games and did video, and then we broke them down, gave them to players. Uh, and we ended up doing highlight packages, and I coached some of their inter-squad games. Um, and the really special part, I'd say, was when I did my binder presentation, uh, I was kind of assigned to put together a 40, 45 pager, just talking about what North American hockey is like, how you play it, you know, basic fundamentals. Um, a, lot of the, a lot of the dots and lines connect as to how they play. We just wanted to show um, how similar it was. And I couldn't believe after we got there and we had everybody in the circle, coaches included, um, to share um, their perspective on how to play the game. We were maybe 10 pages through my binder and discussing it, and then it all threw um, into being a, a group-wide discussion. We didn't need the binders anymore. I just told them, take it home, and on your flights, you know, on your drives, you, you can read it, and keep tight with it, and soak in those fundamentals, and at the end of the day, those are the things that are gonna make you into a better hockey player. And we ended up sharing those. People had pens, they wrote those notes down. That was a really special um, moment, seeing yeah. all those people together. Yeah, and I, just another experience that, that you had that really taught you some lessons. Uh, and I think it kind of speaks to how hockey's trending, how it's becoming more international. And we're seeing uh, smaller places, like you touched on Germany and Latvia and, and all these different nations across the world are are getting so better hockey and yeah exactly and it's it's all because of the interconnectivity and and you're getting coaches like yourself or, or whoever else is running these camps and they're going over to these countries and you know you're getting people come from all over to learn and and learn the north american style and at the same time i'm sure people are going over there and taking things that they learned there and bringing it back to north america so and, and it was i just had to add too it was a great exposure piece for those players too um when we went down there we had uh you know, we had a, an exceptional coach by the name of TJ Manisterski. He's, uh, he was the 2018 uh, NCAA coach of the year. He's in D3 men's hockey. And uh, I believe he ended up recruiting back two players from that camp alone, just, just from being at that camp. Wow. And, and then uh, there was a couple other guys. I think total from that 42, we ended up bringing across the land uh, five players just in that one year. And those are five players that maybe would have got ex uh, exposed, you know, a year down the road, or maybe they wouldn't have. But it's just the point that we went there, and there are players that you can bring here and play. Yeah, there's there's so many skilled players all around the world. So, again, it's it's great that you're involved in that and got the experience, and, and you know, you had all the support to raise the funds to get over there. And I'm sure looking back, like you said, you're you're very glad you went and and took the opportunity when it came. 
Um, so looking at other experiences that you had while you were doing some video coaching with those two teams, uh, you got involved at UMB with the Sports Business Conference. Talk about that experience and your involvement in the event. Yeah, that was uh, the UMB Sports Conference was a really, really dynamic event. And that was, I'm saying that in the terms of that is because it was the first it's ever been done in Atlanta, Canada. So when we were kind of brought onto this by, uh, it was a friend of mine, uh, Christian Damore. He was in the Kin program and he's now, he's now working over in Switzerland uh, with a pro marketing firm. And uh, it was his idea. Uh, and I kind of jumped on with him in 2017. It took a couple of years to boot. Uh, we ended up, we end up uh, hosting an event called the UMB Sport Business Conference. And what that event ended up, uh, what the purpose of that was, it was to bring a lot of people together that had similarities uh, that grew up in the marketing uh, industry and sports in Atlanta, Canada, and expanded themselves, you know, end up going to the National Hockey League. Or um, we had uh, the owner of uh, the new, a CFL team going to Halifax, uh, coming to speak about the expansion. So things like that. And we really want to bring that, that subtle edge of exposure uh, to our school in particular to show what opportunities are out there. Um, because in Atlantic Canada in particular, it is a very, very difficult place uh, to find a pro level job because there actually aren't incredibly amount of pro level jobs in the Maritimes, uh, aside from, you know, the Growlers, uh, the Quebec major junior, you can, you could say, you could pop those teams in, uh, same as you can add in the football team now, like there, there is gaining traction, but like we talked about Ryan before the show, there's, there, there's nothing like, uh, it's nothing like Ontario. No. Like you, where you have leagues all around you, everywhere you look, you're like, Oh, this, this must be a, there's one team, you know, on a street with uh, it's a junior A club and there's down the road, there's another one. You assume it's junior A, but it's actually another rec. It's a rec league. And it's just, you know, there's a lot going on, yeah. but here it's not that. And so for us at the end of the day, it was to try to market, to pull those people in that want to understand how to be part of that. And also to make them understand that there are opportunities here and you just have to really soak in what we have to offer and there are actually tons of amazing opportunities. You just have to start at a micro level and then expose yourself in every opportunity possible and use that to your advantage. And that's what we tried to bring in with this, with uh, you know, the speakers that we brought in with the, the way that we tried to approach the marketing. Uh, Cause that was my, my role predominantly and was being the marketing director. I, uh, put together a plan that we we all end up making plans. We kind of stapled together at the end of the day and made a big book. And uh, my plan was, it was, you know, is it's very different because again, it was the first of its ever, first of its kind. Um, and so I really wanted to brush on the fact that we need to create pride in what we were doing and that will make the people come. And yes. at the end of the day, we, it was three weeks into registration. And I believe it was five weeks out of the actual event itself. We had a we had a sellout, and I I think it was, uh, was it about two hundred and twenty or something like that, or I, I don't remember the exact number, but it was a sellout. So it was that was a good feeling on itself that you know we we weren't sure how it was going to go, and 
that's another thing with uh, maritime sport. You don't know how the event's going to go until you pull it off. And once you pull it off in the maritimes, you know you can hit that level. And so once we get more organizations and more schools and uh, more groups of people making these events and adding a little bit to it every time, we're going to not only get to the levels of Ontario and Western Canada and the United States, we might pass them because there's a, there's a real, lot of really unique stories here. There's a, a lot of really unique opportunities and there's a lot of hidden gems and um, especially one of them is, uh, is right in the Maritimes with the Maritime Hockey League. Yeah. And, and that, that event, uh, you know, me being from the East coast too, you know, th those opportunities are, are not always present. So it's great to hear that there was a, that you guys were able to successfully create an event like that. And, and like I tell everybody, you know, you kind of have to make your own opportunities sometimes. And while it's definitely not real easy to do, get it in Ontario, it's, it's definitely, uh, a little more tricky out this way to uh to string those opportunities together so sometimes you really have to get creative and and sometimes you might not take the exact role you want but you gotta you know put the work in and show that you can do the small jobs en route to the bigger tasks so uh exactly. it sounded like it was it was a great event and uh, definitely something i would have been interested in for sure if i was in the area um so uh, later in 2018, and I'm interested in hearing about this, uh, you started working with the Danny Cleary Hockey School. Talk about that, uh, your first time with them and uh, being able to interact with former NHLers, coaches, etc. I just have to say, starting off, that uh, Danny Cleary and Chris Draper and Corey Crocker, they're the three that run the event. Uh, it's, I think this is going to be their 13th uh, season that they're doing it, uh, or 12th season, sorry. And they, they're starting camp in two weeks. Uh, they got everything approved, they're ready to go. And that pulls back to talking my experience that these guys get things done. They're total characters. They, and just the people that they are, they're outstanding people. Uh, and they didn't want anything more than to support the community, um, support Newfoundland hockey. And I experienced that from the second that I went there. Um, when I when I went uh, into St. John's, it was my first time that I ever went to Newfoundland, ever stepped foot. Uh, my my role was to to do video shots of coming in uh, off the plane, you know, um, coming in, getting daily highlights of players, uh, getting action shots, uh, all things like that as the practices are going on. And I was going on the ice uh, with the camera on my skates, uh, skating around with. Uh, Cleary and Drapes and uh, you know people like Dylan Larkin and getting some nice shots and things like that and because uh, really what they one thing that they lacked the last 10 years was uh, more or less like marketing footage things that they can work with so uh, I had the honor I knew uh, Crocs from back in Amherst he's uh, one of the recreation directors uh, just through that connection, um, he's best friends with Danny Cleary. He, he asked me if I can come along, get some video footage. And, uh, I ended up putting together, a, a bunch of marketing videos, uh, in advance that they can use for rerun, but also stuff, uh, like every single day, for example, when I got there, we had a, there was an old projector screen in the, in the corner of, uh, uh the rink that we were in. And it's like, gee, we should, we should find a way to use that. And so what we did is as soon as you walk into the arena every day, we had a projector with the screen popped right up. As soon as you walked in the door behind the glass panes on the ice, 
uh, of a highlight reel. And I made about seven minutes long. I'd be up most of the night working on them. And uh, it would be a highlight reel of almost every single player, uh, every single kid that hopped on the ice the day prior. And uh, it, it, was a bit of a, it was a bit of a traffic zone at first when the, you know, the kids saw it the first day. And, and uh, it, that, was, that was very humbling uh, and special for me to, you know, just see the kids smiling, watching themselves on the screen. And they don't get to experience that at that age uh, from being, you know, Adam, Timbit level. It's like they, they don't get to see themselves on TV. So uh, to bring that to, to their, you know, to their attention and to see their smiles, it was, it was really, it was really great. And with how Danny, you know, let me kind of be free with doing things like that and, and adding to the camp, just with spreading ideas and sharing ideas and, innovating we uh we did some really good things and uh I'd, i had a great honor as well of uh helping evaluate players uh with the coaches and in uh cleary and drapes and made up a nice scouting card and and all that for uh for all the folks and it was uh that was a great it was a great time but i'd say the most influential person from that trip uh alone would have been uh, a man by the name of chris mcdonald and he's uh he's a scout with the Vancouver Canucks an amateur scout and uh he really brought to my attention to to not undervalue myself uh he he seen my video on the first day of the of the kids highlights and he just he was blown away he came upstairs and I was getting ready for his presentation actually and he was kind of pumping my tires out I was like okay Chris you're I know you're starting your presentation you're happy and so you don't need to give me all these compliments like no no he said Jordan, he said, you really shouldn't underestimate your, 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 uh, your results and what you put in. I said, well, thank you. And that was the day that he brought to my attention, you know, that there are higher levels and not only can you get to them, people are now expecting you to. And yeah. that's, that's when you kind of work harder and that's when you go into overdrive. And then that's when you not only prove to yourself that you've gone to that level, you've proved to others and you need to keep working on that every single day. And then by doing that is attending those type of events and putting yourself out there to say, Hey, I can go to this camp and do filming. And it doesn't have to be the Danny Cleary hockey school. It could be, um, if I have the back home in Amherst, there's the Roy Malpey hockey school. It goes on every, every August, September. Um, be glad to do that. You know, it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to circle around NHL, but, it, what I'm getting across is that you got to find those people and, and those experiences to bring you up and, and to really connect with you. And then those people are your mentors and you stick with them and you make them happy and they make you happy. Yeah. And, and I've, I've heard a lot of people uh, who have gone, to, you know, being from Newfoundland, I've uh, know a lot of people have gone through and, and participated in that camp and they've always enjoyed the, you know, the unique features of it and the, uh, it's funny you bring up uh, Chris's name. Uh, he was actually brought up, I believe it was last episode, by James McGregor as someone that he came across, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, it's good to hear his name coming up again. And, uh, you know, as, as someone who's also been involved in camps with like Hockey Canada and Hockey Newfoundland uh, in the past, maybe not as often as you have, but, uh, you know, it, those are really great experiences and you learn a lot even just uh, interacting with the kids and whatnot. I do have to add though, it was pretty neat. I, uh, so Dylan Larkin was there for three days. He's supposed to be there for a week. I just have to, have to mention this. It was probably one of the coolest, you know, just glimpses, snapshots. 
he, uh, we were just about to head on the ice third day and he got a phone call. We were in the dressing room and that was his year. His contract was, you know, was lean and dry. And it was Kenny Holland on the phone. Got a contract extension for you. Day before his birthday. And we were all there and all the in the dressing room. And uh, he ended up doing a couple, you know, little bits of talk on the phone. But then uh, he had to leave. Uh, he ended up having to leave the camp uh, after that night. Um, but it was just an amazing uh, five minutes just being in that room, listening to, you know, him talking to Kenny Holland about his contract extension, which I don't know, which was maybe, what is it, 5.8 or whatever it is right yeah. now. It was, it was just unbelievable. And he just got off the phone and said, I, I just got, you know, I'm a millionaire. <laughs> like, and, 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 you know, we're, like, at first he was kind of quiet about it and we're like, no, no, like, be happy. Like, you, you're, you're 22 years old and look where you're at. Like, and, and you're right here. You're at the Danny Cleary Hockey School helping kids, right? Yeah. And that just shows the type of person he is too. Like yeah. he, he, he expected like that, those type of phone calls happen that type of year. You should be at home. You should be in Detroit, you know, to do all those deals. He, he took it aside. He, he helped kids. That was his decision. And that, the, those are all the people that were part of that camp. It's all people like Dylan Larkin. And yeah. that was what made it special. And, and for that to kind of come full circle for him, like you said, you know, he's, he signed his big contract and there he is uh, volunteering or whatever, doing uh, some work with the kids and, yeah, I'm sure he, uh, he had some celebrating to do uh, shortly after that. Um, so fast forwarding to present day, you now hold two uh, positions, one being with Hockey Canada and the National Women's Development Team. How did you come into that role and talk about your experience in that position while also, while also touching on your role working in women's hockey? Hockey Canada has been unbelievable. Uh, it all started... I'll be, I'll start back from, it was, it actually all started back in 2019 when we went and traveled, uh, the UMB Reds traveled over to Calgary uh, for the national championships. That was just a couple hours over in Lethbridge. And what we did, we, uh, as a team, we went two days earlier than any other club. That's typical UMB, just always being early. And uh, we ended up practicing for two full days at the uh, Windsport Arena in Calgary. That's where the, all the hockey con hockey Canada camps happen, uh, all the development, all the development teams, everything. And when we were going through, we were touring everything and we finished our, our, uh, our first practice. Uh, you know, I was just, I was going down cleaning bottles with Tyler Murphy. And then, uh, just down, down the hall, there was a bit of a weird area. It didn't look anything like coaches offices or anything like that. So I didn't think much of it. And then, uh, Murph says, uh, he's like, Jordy, I, I think that's the video coach down there. I like, really? I said, yeah. So I went down, peeped, and there he was, James Emery, video coach of uh, Hockey Canada, just sitting in the office. He was, uh, I think he was toying around with uh, a GoPro. He's trying to get it work and saying a couple words under his breath. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and I just kind of, you know, hesitated for a couple minutes, and then Murph ended up just shoving me down the hall. I said, get the heck down there. This is, this is what you need. And I went down. I talked to James and, and then after a 10 minute conversation, I, uh, I had the opportunity to get a call back, uh, a call back solidified for the next month. And then I was off to Calgary and end of July, uh, I believe it was July 27th. And, uh, we ended up being the first group to learn Exos, uh, which was, which is really special because they've been running Steva since, 
every other team has been running Steve. Yeah. And now they're co connecting to the NHL. And this is what the National Hockey League teams use. Um, American League, uh, same out, uh, the Quebec Major Junior. It's, it's expanding. And now Hockey Canada is there. And I had the ability to go there and not only have that experience, but I had the, the training as well with Exos. So now I have the ability to, uh, to work with those softwares and be able to understand the uses of them. And that was, that was the biggest take home in terms of knowledge for me from Hockey Canada, uh, especially because we had a fellow by the name of Brent Berglund. Uh, he taught us it over four days. Uh, he's, he's Boston Bruins' former video coach. He spent a decade there up until 2014, and then he jumped on Exos to do training with them. Uh, and so other than, to, than learning the Exos part, which was four days before the camp started, uh, I was assigned to do team video, uh, video building. Uh, anything that, was, that had team building in it, I had to do video with even meals, uh, any meetings, anything at all had to be videoed. Uh, events, practices, uh, practices were a different layout because we focused on certain drills and anything that had to be clipped. You know, we did certain angles and it was, it was a little more specific to what the coaches wanted there. Um, and then same going into games, uh, I would get a pre-scout package together, uh, look at the team's last game and go through some basic systems. The coach, uh, the coach Troy Ryan, the head coach, would jot down four or five points of what he would want to see from the opponent. I'd put it together, uh, do the setup and all that for the meetings, uh, and then we'd jump into our presentation. And that was, it was really fun uh, using the Hockey Canada's training facilities uh, theater. It's really nice. Uh, the big screen that drops down the theater's uh, seats it was uh, really special, really special. And then it, it really transferred the, the communication, I think, of this software. The, the players adapted right away. They appreciated it right away. And we had the apps on their phone right away, too, when they came. So they could see their shifts, everything, what have you. It was, it was all very organized. Uh, we, as video coaches, were a little bit disoriented when they first came in because we were all Steve our whole life. And then we were... Uh, you know, transitioned into Exos. So we yeah. had to try and have that face of, you know, oh, I still have that seven years of, you know, build up, but it's, it's, uh, it's still there, but you have to adapt a little bit to the system because uh, if you want my take on Exos compared to Steve, it is lights out a million times um, better, I believe. But uh, in terms of learning, it, it might take a little bit more time just because of what it gives you in return. It's yeah. so much simpler for the results that it gives you and everything. It's, uh, it, it's a system. It's more of a system. And I really think that helps not only coaches prepare, but players as well. And that really showed in our games. We, we ended up playing some great exhibition games. Uh, we, played against, uh, we played against a couple of great teams, actually. Team France came in. We, we ended up beating them the first game 5-1. to one. Uh, Japan... They, they really surprised us. They, they were a lot, they, in the last few years, they, they've been focusing a lot more on their rush and their foot speed. And it really, really showed that game. We didn't think it was going to be to that level. And it was, and we ended up losing three to two. It was a close one. Nailer almost got it. Uh, and we ended up going against U sport all-star team uh, right after that is the day after uh, fell by the name of Alex uh, Cousineau. 
Uh, he's with the Concordia Stingers. He, he was their video guy for U Sport, another really great fella. Uh, had the honor of working with him for the week as well. Uh, we, ended up, we ended up beating him and his team uh, five to three that game. Uh, that was an interesting game to be part of just because I was in new sports finishing that year. Yes. And I wanted to see how the girls were, would do uh, against this team. And uh, I'll tell you that the U sport compared to the Team Canada girls were very similar, but uh, less on speed and more on physicality. And so that beat us down a little bit. And that's why we had the, the close margin at the end, 5-3. But they played a very hard, respectful game. And, and I'm talking about both the Team Canada team and youth sports, you can't have enough respect for both levels because yeah. the caliber of hockey for women's hockey is it's so, um, it's so undervalued. I, I honestly couldn't believe it when I went there to um, the national team camp, how amazing it actually is. I, uh, the caliber of their practices, their, I don't know if you, you checked, Ryan, but I, uh, I put a video up of our, uh, our, our camp wrap-up video, sort of, I put together last year. And uh, the volumes on the whole time of the, the practices in the video, I said in the comment for a reason. And that's because of the level of communication that they had. It beat any organization I've ever seen, heard, or anything. They, their desire to grow the pride in themselves and their teammates and into the game itself was astonishing like their their attitude on and off the ice it was second to none and it was very very unique in the regard that they want to be special and you know in a very good way and this this sort of class of uh young women that are coming up and you know representing that crest with pride they do so with a great amount of pride and um, with the uh, transition of Melody Davison the last few years uh, from being the director to Gina, um, it was a very clean transition from what I seen when I, when I went there. Two very unbelievable uh, smart individuals um, just in two different times of the game and their, their ideas come together and make amazing things come to fruition, which is that women's program in the last few years. Uh, you're going to see that that team do really good things in the next few years. And I feel really bad for the girls, especially like the summer they couldn't go to the camp. And I feel bad for like, guys like, you know, Troy Ryan, the head coach, he's been working tremendously since he's taken over the, the role the last few months. Um, and then James Emery as well, but they're going to get back. And especially the girls, they're going to get back, especially when they get here, the world championships next March uh, 2020 in Halifax, Nova Scotia they're going to do some damage here. Yeah. And, and for people that maybe don't follow women's hockey as much, it's really, you know, you don't really appreciate it until you take the time to really invest yourself in it to watch it. Um, now I haven't watched uh, maybe that age group, but I was, uh, I was able to watch a four nations cup a few years ago oh, nice. for the women's and uh, like team Canada and team USA. And it, it was just unbelievable. Like, even as someone who supports women hockey and everything, I, I don't think I gave it uh, maybe the full credit that it's due until I was able to watch myself at the, t at the highest level and go, wow, like th this is incredible hockey. And this is something that should be, you know, right up there with all the men's hockey. So um, Absolutely. I, I think hear people, the four nations, I yeah. hear the four nations cup is exceptional. And, yeah. Uh, I hope to be there in the next three to five years. It's you kind of take steps when you get on the ladder and, 
right now, like the development camp, that's your, that's, that's the level where I start. So you got your U18, U22, yeah. and then you can make your way up to the four nations and, and, uh, all that. So, yeah, it's, it's a great experience and it's great to have you be able to, you know, give a little bit of insight to what's going on behind the scenes and, and hopefully people really gravitate towards it and, um, you know, really attach themselves to women's hockey in the way that it really deserves to be. 100%. Um, as you, uh, we also mentioned, you have another role with, uh, with the junior A Red Wings there in Fredericton uh, as a video slash assistant coach. Um, talk about your role there and how is it this time around working in junior with the Red Wings and um, as a fairly new team as well? It was a very great experience and totally different than my first experience with Junior A. Uh, and that is the, in the regard of because uh, when I was with the Amherst Ramblers, they were at the time in their 48th season and now they're in their 53rd. We just finished our first season. We're, uh, we finished in our inaugural season. I, I was invited after uh, we won the national championship in March uh, by the team's owner, former GM of the Moncton Wildcats, Roger Shannon, uh, to jump on the board of uh, being with the Red Wings. And that took me, honestly, it didn't take me much time to make the decision. And that decision was made in the regard of, I knew it was my time to grow. And what I mean by that is, uh, you can be somewhere for a really good amount of time and but you have to allow yourself uh, to develop with other coaches, other relationships, players, environments, and that ends up giving you more developmental tools than you believe at the end of the day. It's, it's really comforting being in the same team and especially with a team like UMD um, with the success that they have and the things that you learn, but it, it also comes to a time when you have to say, okay, um, you're building up. And sometimes a lot of people would look at me and say, well, what? Okay, well, why did you go down, Jordan? Why did you go down to Junior A from U Sport? And what I say a lot is that you, you don't go down from U Sport to Junior A. You just learn different approaches. It's, it's as a coach, you're not, you're not going down levels. It's, it's just different approaches. You're, you're learning as you go. And I, I really learned a lot about that my first year at the Red Wings. We had a great first year. It, it all came because of a lot of it. Uh, most of it with Jack Grant behind the net of the crease. Uh, he ended up getting a, a college scholarship down the States after this season. And uh, we had some excellent prospects coming up as well. Um, and, but the thing is when we came into that team and that organization, again, like going back into Amherst with uh, that transition year, we ran to the same thing where we didn't know what we had. And, so we had to think about the start of the year. So I had to, I was in charge of building plans such as the technical plan, uh, put together, uh, putting together right now, a still in progress, a drill, a drill package, uh, a culture plan, a recruitment package and a draft guide because all of those things, when you're, when you jump into an organization, they have them generally, um, they, they're generally made or they're old fashioned or, you know, they're, a bunch of versions of papers put together, stapled up, and that's your plan. That's You see different versions to where you go into the game. Um, but for us, we want to start from scratch. We want to combine a lot of our knowledge. And at the end of the day, I combined all of our information that we had, including my, my own from my experiences, and then uh, end up building up all those plans. Uh, 
and then so now we have them as reference guide and help us as foundational tools to build into a, a successful team that we want to be especially moving into this year and uh, I, I'd say moving into you know more of my my game preparation uh, role a lot of it uh, a lot of it's pre-scouting it's we have a 52 game schedule and uh, there's a lot of video you have to watch uh, if you want to be on top of this league. It's, uh, it's a very, very competitive league. And like I said earlier, I, I thought first that U Sports was the, the hidden jewel of Canada. It, it may have been, but I, I don't think it is anymore. I really think it's the Maritime Hockey League. Uh, the level of hockey that has improved there um, in the last, I'd say, five, four, you know, four or five years, it's nothing like it was five years ago. Uh, and that's in a good way. And that's not taking anything negative, you know, away from the past. That is that the league in terms of strength of their executive is being stronger. Uh, the players recruits are being stronger. Uh, the directions of organizations are being stronger with what they want to do with their players when they're there. And after they leave, um, it's being more respected. And that's what made me want to come back and be part of it. Cause I know that, not only every year is going to be special, but leading up to something, this league is going to be back to where every other league is in Canada in junior A hockey, and that's being at the top. And that goes, you know, starting with game preparation. You have to build that standard on the team that you can pre-scout, you can prepare, you have the team's uh, lineups, face-offs, and all that ready to go. You have to know your opponent more than yourself. And now you also throw in some little things to help relieve pressures and stressors. So you throw in some stats on the wall. Uh, so I put together lots of stats, uh, just lots of little things. Like the biggest thing that I'll harp on um, that really Brian Casey, our head coach at Brereton, loves as well. We jumped on uh, the shot differential. Um, we, we believe that is really the most important, uh, one of the most important stats that we can look out there. Uh, it's just simple because in junior hockey, when you present stats to players, you're going to get two directions. You're going to get real great interest or you're going to get them going the other direction and not wanting to have anything to do with it. So the key to that, to make them want to go in the right direction, is to make it as simple, precise, and also as informative as possible. And with shot differential, the numbers are there. Like you still have to track it on your own because shots on the clock are almost like below the NHL. They're never accurate yeah. ever, 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 ever. And so you can, you track your shot differential and at the end of the game, you have a shot differential of every player. And then based upon plus minus of that, you see if they had a positive offensive or, you know, defensive contribution towards the team or otherwise going the other direction. And, we end up giving those out in segments of, you know, say six or seven games and over the season. And when you do things like that, you, you give them, you know, a number, you give them a benchmark and you put it over an extended period of time, you're going to see hopefully incremental improvement. Um, now that's a really important part to show players if they're interested in it. Now, if they're not interested in it, you still provide them with information because though they don't show it or seem to, the fact that they've seen it lets them be acknowledged to the situation that they're in 
and it helps them understand where they need to be. So this kind of gives them a level of every segment, okay, my offensive and defensive production towards the betterment of our team, you know, is a plus this segment. So I'm doing good. How can I get better? And then negative, of course, you look at, okay, how do I get myself out of this hole? Because I tell you, there's probably only in every segment, two to three negatives on our team uh, in flux with the positives. You don't get many negatives on a decent team uh, for shot differential. So that just kind of, it, it, it gives a good indicator and it kind of points out to players, you know, especially with certain assignments, depending on what they do and what their position is on the team. Exactly. You can use that as a, as base, as a big piece. So, um, so I was doing the, the pre-scouting stats and then, you go into, I had to do marketing as well with the junior A program. It's, uh, it's a very, uh, you have to work exceptionally hard to get the fans into the rink. And I'm not saying this for Fredericton uh, in general. It's, it goes across the board in the country. If you look at all this, if you look at all the attendance numbers, they're, they change yearly. Uh, community per community per, you know, league. It's, uh, and I, I and a lot of people have the belief that it has a lot to do with marketing. And so we pushed a real big uh, motive this year uh, to do, a, basically there's videos all over our Facebook page and our interactions are top notch. Our, our goal as an organization was to make it a very similar platform to those of professional hockey teams, uh, or even like even your like your team or like the or even like the growlers it just has to be a pro setting because this uh as a new franchise especially coming in you have to show the fans that not only you're going to be good but you also care too and so that that really put a real positive impact um not only for the marketing terms and like box office but that also put a good community outreach influence on us as well with videos that we're doing on sponsors um with uh, things like the thank you campaign uh, two months ago, uh, basically when all this COVID-19 uh, crisis hit, uh, our team jumped on and made this initiative. Uh, I did it with Roger Shannon and uh, as well as we had our volunteers on our team, uh, Brianna McWillan, uh, Bev, everybody. There's just so many people that are involved. And what we did is we uh, marketed a program where we uh, printed stickers out that have, let's say, thank you and have your provincial flag on it. And what those funds went to was to our, our local hospital, or if you're getting it from Meta Province, you can donate to your hospital, the funds. Um, so I, I did marketing videos like that for our team. So it wasn't even uh, hockey-based marketing, it was also non-hockey-based that we did uh, to really bring the community together. And I think that is a really huge key into getting marketing in hockey. You have to get away from the game sometimes. Sometimes you have to, you, ha you have to really, well, regardless, you have to be in the community, but you have to show what it's all about. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that point. And you brought up a number of key points uh, that you learned in a, what sounds like a very eventful first year. The first thing is, uh, you know, maybe your point about taking a step back, but it's not actually a step back. Uh, Alex Guinea talked about the same thing um, when we were talking about his junior C position. He said, you know, for him, it's not, uh, taking a step back from junior A or B to junior C, it's just more responsibility and and showing that it's maybe just a different route or taking a different approach um, to show that there is a development at that level or or you know the junior A there's a there's a great opportunity there for players and then 
also when you talked about introducing analytics, you always have those players that, you know, they can't get enough of it. And the other people that don't want to step in the room when you start talking about it. So that's absolutely. And the divide is huge because it's uh, the out, it's the outliers because the new, the new kids that, you know, are on the block and they're coming into the game. They, a lot of them really do want to know what these numbers mean and how it can improve their game. Like after, after my game, uh, my first game with the Red Wings, we were on the road in Picto. Uh, it was about a three-hour drive out. I had about five players come up to the front of the bus and look at either their time on ice or want to see some clips. And at that point, we didn't know whether we should show ice times or not. Uh, we decided <laughs> not to. And uh, we show things like shot differential because uh, that just avoids conflict. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, exactly. So, yeah, yeah that's great. Um, so... Uh, as we speak about your current roles, uh, let's look forward a little bit. What would you like to be doing maybe in three to five years down the road in hockey? What's your, what's your outlook maybe moving forward? Yeah, I'd say that in the next three to five years, uh, like my goal, just like many other people, is it's, it's to go to the NHL. It's, uh, you know, it's the, and I don't mean that to be, uh, you know, just to get the NHL to say that I made it there. That's to say to myself that, you know, I became the best version of myself. I said to myself uh, 10 years ago, I emailed the president of the Ramblers said at the age of 12, not only did I want to coach for the Ramblers that year, but I also want to coach for the Maple Leafs a couple of years after. So you could see my, my, my intuition, like I, I meant the right things, but just yeah. the timing wasn't right. And so it just, it all depends. It's uh, the NHL is ultimate goal and it's ultimate key, but Right now, it's, it's winning a championship here and then working towards a career in this game. And I'd say uh, I'm looking into three options. That The first option would be something like be an assistant coach in the Quebec Major Junior League, Ontario or Western Hockey League, or even Junior A. Uh, video coach in the American League, uh, Quebec Major Junior, Western Hockey League, East Coast. Uh, or be a head coach in the junior uh, CJHL. Uh, I looked at all three of those options as being bridges, uh, not ends, ends the routes to the NHL at all whatsoever. I, I have these, all these three points uh, as alternate routes, so to speak, to get me to where I want to go. And ultimately you have to find those connections and that to get there and in, in the mirror image of working hard, uh, so I'm using all of those routes, you know, as backups. I'm not going towards it, but I'm preparing for it. So things like, you know, the, the recruitment plan I did for an internship, I take pieces of the recruitment plan and I put it towards my own plan. And same as uh, you take everything every, from every experience and team that you go to, you, you soak in some of that knowledge and experience and you put it on to that as well. And so that's what I'm trying to do uh, in that regard. And it just goes to show that even as a video guy, you can, you can get through into a route, you can get into coaching. You don't have to necessarily be, you know, you don't have to have amazing hands. You don't have to have great, great quick feet. That's why we're not in the NHL playing, right? Mm -hmm. that's, why, that's why we're here trying to get the NHL as, co as coaches. Because not only do we have the ability, we can. And it's just a matter of, you know, same as you, Ryan, people like you and I just finding those links and, um, showing them what we got yeah and I, I you know you, you, talk, you sum it up perfectly there saying that there's all these different routes and and sometimes 
you know, it might not be the prettiest path or the clearest path that you can see, but there's so many different bridges and, and different ways to, you know, poke your nose in this area of hockey operations, whether it's coach, video coaching, or, I mean, I, I, I've done some work in equipment manager and stuff like that. I mean, even in those positions, you, you bump into different people and you, you learn from different people. And, and as you said, with all those experiences, you take a little bit from each, uh, each situation and you bring it together. So, um, Looking at your video coaching career, uh, talk about how your abilities have maybe progressed since you started and maybe some ways that you're still learning to this day. Yeah, I'd say certainly that, you know, my abilities as a video coach is you, you, you really have to have immense time management skills and you also have to find time uh, for yourself. Uh, and what I mean by that is, uh, when you're spending a lot of time on a screen, watching video, watching film, player shifts, breaking down footage, systems, practice, play, everything, you, you need uh, a refresher, a break, and to go for a walk, a workout, whatever have you. That's one major, major key that I learned that is, might be the most impactful thing that I learned. Uh, throughout my last few years is that you have to look after yourself uh, in your own health because uh, that goes ahead of everything, right? And then everything else will come ahead of that um, in turn. Uh, but in terms of video skills, uh, literally it's, it's a lot of it has to do with the experience. You, you jump into it. I didn't know anything about it when I started. It's a matter of jumping into it, being given the access and then finding ways that it can adapt and make your team, you know, get positive things out of it. So it all kind of adjusted and changed as I moved on to different teams. It's like different teams would want certain things. So I'd expose myself into different areas of video. Uh, so for example, like Amherst would tend to only, you know, look at like breakouts for check shots, but then in, with UMB, I had to track everything on, I could on the keyboard. Uh, is you know there's about yeah. there's about 50 different events uh, and which was okay but you just the, the thing is you just have to you have to have patience in yourself as well uh, to learn it and you have to certainly have uh, a high level of dedication in regard to people above you and the people that you work for and uh, and especially the, the product that you provide it, you have to put a lot of pride into it yeah and and that's exactly what i was expecting you to say and, and the fact that you know a lot of the times it just it's a matter of time and and learning these new things and you kind of just put it together and and you got to be proud of what you're doing because at the end of the day it is you know it's it's the work that you do is an extension of you and the way that people review the work will come back on you at some point whether it be in a future opportunity or you know the players reviewing your work Exactly. See, the good way, the good thing about video, Ryan, is that there's no, there, there is no one way to do it, but there is always your special way to do it, right? Anybody exactly. can put a special touch on video. There's the basic concept, and then what makes you the difference maker from everybody else is what you add to it. So we look at these different things that you add to it, and, and I'm sure people uh, pick up things from you, and there's different people like this in the industry. Um, 
as a follow-up to that, what are some resources, whether it's books, Twitter accounts, or other coaches maybe that you look to for new ideas or simply to learn new things about video coaching or hockey operations, et cetera? Well, I got a, just a, a couple of mentors. Like I, I look at two things, mentors and books uh, and conferences. I'll make it three. Uh, so I attend every single possible conference that I can find and can afford in the area. Uh, that's a big piece of advice for me. And that is not even video coach. Uh, like you can't like, don't look for just like as a video coach or as a stats guy, don't look for just video coaching and stats conferences, look for conferences that encompass the whole circle of the game, uh, that have coaches, NHL coaches talking about, you know, how they break out, um, have, you know, listening to how Vegas back checks, why they're the best in the league. Uh, you just need, you need to have those, uh, you need to have those experiences uh, in conferences in order to really, to really learn because you're never just like a player, a coach, head coach, you're, you yourself as a video guy, you have to keep learning the game every single day. Like I know the, the you know, you always know the basics, but you have to always get into the extents of the game of hockey as a video guy, because you're looking for those things. And those are the things that you're looking for to be an edge upon your opponent. So definitely conferences, but mentors, uh, guys like uh, I got this Billy McGuigan. Uh, he's the 2020 uh, Canadian Junior Hockey League's uh, coach of the year. It's, and it was a long time coming for him. He, if he could, he probably could have won it every year the last five years. Just the type of guy that Billy is. And he's just a head, he's a head coach of Summerside Capitals. And he, uh, I got to meet him in Latvia. He came over with us and he was part of that trip. And, and since that experience, we've been able to talk every week and we always uh, exchange information. I always ask him for advice, questions, which direction I should uh, head, uh, what I should learn, um, what I should stay away from, everything. Uh, and that expands from him and goes on to Gardner McDougall, the UMB coach, uh, someone who has really influenced me like none other. Uh, Gardner gives me more life lessons than, than anybody else, I think, combined. And uh, he's an exceptional guy that gives more hockey knowledge than anybody that I've ever met. He's, uh, he knows more about the game than anybody I've ever met. And his style of coaching, I really appreciate. And I tried to soak in every possible thing I could when I was there because he's one of those generational coaches that you just are very, very lucky to be part of if you are there with him. And you write down every single thing that you can when you're with those people, because that is gold plates. That's, and, that's awesome. Yeah. And then, so going into, you, you go, you have your mentors, but you also have to have books. Uh, like I, I read a great deal of books. Like I heard the, from the, the show the other day, like everybody is listening, you know, everybody's reading stat shot, stat shots, a book, a uh, great book. Um, but I go a lot more into the culture stuff. Like I was talking about the culture plan. I'm big with culture. Uh, I just like, you know, understanding it and being part of the mix and all that. And uh, Legacy, uh, the all black story is a phenomenal read, uh, Grit the Great. It talks about the four components of grit and guts, resilience, initiative, and tenacity, four components that make you a successful human being. Uh, H3 leadership, which uh, big motto for me, I actually uh, tagged on the last year when I started reading the book and finished it. I finished it in a day. It's uh, be humble, stay hungry, and always hustle. 
And they're just three real big components that mean a lot to me that is be humble is being true to yourself. Stay hungry is being in the hunt and always hustle is innovate to dominate. And so there's, it's, it's books like that you got to find and like leave no doubt my, by Mike Babcock and uh, the 5am club by Robin Sharma, you know, that try and teach you to get up early and manage these work lifestyles. Uh, these are the reads that you need uh, to learn as a coach, a video guy, uh, and actually at the end of the day to be a human being. Because uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's good people that get through this uh, ladder. It's good people that are working at these organizations. So when you read those books, you, you're, you're basically reading, you know, that, that, that's your information. That's your guide uh, to walk you through your career from those people They're, those all those books are published for a reason yeah and and people are always looking for different resources especially during a time like this where maybe hockey's not as as active as they would like it to be obviously with COVID-19 and everything we're dealing with so mm. it's great that there's a an extensive list and and you know people are also interested in hearing things outside of hockey like you said the culture and these different extensions of the game that they can look into so that's a great uh a great resource and then you talk about the lessons and the mentors uh you did a really great job of summing them up and and throughout the conversation naming a bunch of people and, and talking about different lessons you learned at each stage which i think people will really uh, be interested to hear about uh, so for a final question uh, what advice do you have for those looking to enter video coaching and hockey operations overall i got a few points i i'd say you'd have to you, you really have to strive to make a difference and that is no matter where you're at and that's and that's starting you know back at home and like going back to my story i started back the amherst start at your home roots uh if you want to get into video if you want to get into anything like that even coaching anything uh if, when you start your home roots you already have those connections you already have uh bonds bill and if you already enjoy the sport you already have connections to that organization and if not, you probably know somebody that does. And if you know somebody that does, they know somebody that knows you that will get you in. And that, I, I wanna say that's an easy enter, but I say that's a really good point to get started because you're, you have your in, you're, you're homebound, and you also have the opportunity to make a difference in a community, you know, and an organization to something that matters to you. And you learn those values. And that's why I think starting local is very, very important. You got to learn those values right off the bat because I, I think that's one of the critical things that I learned as a coach is that you got to learn to really work with these guys. And that's not in a negative way. That's they're people like they're not, they're not like they, they're, they're coming in, you know, the rents due every day and you got to pay for it. You come in, you do your work, that type of thing, but they're, they're people and they're family. And at the end of the day, family's over everything and you have to focus on that. So, I mean, and that goes and that goes into saying that you need to build family bonds with these guys uh like uh not business bonds you have to have a professional mindset don't don't get me off the uh, off guard there at any means you have to be professional very professional and dress it uh if possible as much as possible don't stick out like a sore thumb though but <laughs> but uh but you need to have a family bond because uh when when you're when you're working you know, and you're, you're out there doing something for something, something or someone that means something to you, you're going to give it a lot more effort than if it was just a business partner. 
Um, that's why at the end of the day, family does mean everything. Uh, it comes down to how hard you work. It comes hard to how much pride you put into things uh, and how much dedication, right? Uh, so it's very huge. And, and again, I'd say that uh, read, you have to read and go to those pro conferences. Uh, even the amateur level conferences, I went to, uh, it was uh, in 26, after my first year at UMB, I went to a, it was called the hockey conference, it was an amateur sports conference. And it was held actually out of Fredericton. And it was ironically, again, Dr. Jonathan Edwards, he was, uh, he was the guy that organized that conference, which is what led us into taking that, uh, the initiative to do the UMB sport conference. He did a hockey conference and I met uh, Luke Gautier there. Uh, he is an amateur scout with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He, he, won, he won two cups with them, three cups. No, he won three cups. He won three cups with Pittsburgh. And I had the luxury of speaking with him for about, it was about three hours after he spoke. I, I left the room immediately after his presentation talking about uh, five attributes of uh, players that the Penguins look for, you know, in scouting players. It was, it was a good presentation. And I went out and talked to him. We talked for three hours. And it's people like that that, you know, enhance your vision and really motivate you. And, like, th those are the environments you need to touch. And when those people are around those environments, don't be afraid to go around them because, just like I said, they're all human. They're all people. Yeah, that, that's some great points to, uh, to clue it up here. And about, uh, you know, everything you said there is, is things that I've heard time and time again. And, and it, it really shows that, uh, you know, in this industry – those are the key points to making it, you know, you got to be willing to put in the work and, and uh, create that bond with people and networking and, and the family bond, like you said, while also staying professional at the same time. So uh, Jordan, I just want to thank you so much for taking this time to, you know, really go in depth here with some of your experiences. And uh, you know, it, it's a little bit of a different route than some of the other guests I've had on. So it's uh, exciting to hear about what you're doing and I wish you all the best moving forward. Appreciate it, Ryan. Same to you as well. All right. Take care. I'd like to thank Jordan for coming on the podcast and talking about his career thus far in such detail and with a candid nature. Being able to hear these stories for the first time myself, it was exciting to gain insight on such unique experiences, such as winning a national title and being around the national women's development team. So again, I'd like to thank Jordan for sharing his story. If you would like to get in touch with Jordan to discuss his experiences further, I encourage you to reach out to him directly or contact HockeyMindsPodcast at Outlook.com and I can make that connection for you. Looking forward, there have recently been a number of new guests being confirmed with a variety of backgrounds, so I encourage you to check the Twitter account and learn more about the future guests. Next up on the podcast is Sean LaFortune, the Director of Player Development with the Owen Sound Attack. Sean is always very open when discussing the game of hockey, so for those with an interest in scouting and the OHL in general, I highly encourage you to listen in on that episode. Once again, I'll end off by saying thank you everyone for listening, thank you for the support, stay safe, and all the best.